0: Okay, so Hare Krishna, everyone. Um, Thank you for joining today. Uh, I hope you guys had a nice break and a nice rest between had your lunch and everything. Um, But yep, okay, so I would like to introduce Her Grace, Rukmini Devi Dasi. Um, She is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Um, We are really fortunate of having her here, and she's taking the time out. For us so we can learn and learn more about Srila Prabhupada who is our, obviously our founder Acharya. Um, a few facts before I hand it over to her. She met Prabhupada at the age of 16 and apparently the first words he said to her were, where are your parents? <laughs> um, she is one of Srila Prabhupada's first disciples who, bought, who first brought the path of bhakti to the west in 1965. She is also featured in the film Woman of Bhakti and um, she has been writing, teaching, and leading workshops all over the world. And she is the mother of Gauravani, the famous Kiritan artist. She is also an activist in women's spiritual empowerment and interfaith dialogue. And she is the founder of Urban Devi Collective, based in New York City. So, yeah, we are very fortunate of having her t- here today. And she'll be talking about Srila Prabhupada's qualities and pastimes we can learn from. So I'm just going to hand it over to her. Thank you, Mother ji
1: Thank you very much. I'll say a few, few prayers of invocation. Om Magianity Timarandasya Sia, Genanjana Sala Kaya Chaksum <speaking> Yena, <in> Tasmai Shihuravena Maha, Shi Chetana <Hebrew> Mano Mistam Stapitan Vina Putale, Sayam Rupa Tadati Sapadantikam. Namahum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamini Tinamane Namaste Sarasate Teve Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Sunyavari Paschatyade Shatarine Mukam Karotivacalam Pangolangayate Girin Yat kripastamaham of stamaham, Shri Kurundinatarinam. Vanchaka pataru, Vyascha, Kripa Shindu, Vaivacha, Patitanam, Pavanebio, Vaishnavavayo, Namo, Namaha, jai Shri Krishna Chaitana, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhar, Shiva Sadi Bhakta Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thank you so much for inviting me to your sangha. Um, such an honor to be speaking with the famous Pandavasena. I hope I'm speaking loud enough. Let me know yep, if it's, it's there's any problem. Thank you very much. So, um, I'd like to speak, what I was thinking is just reflections about Śrīla Prabhupāda, but uh, I was thinking that sometimes people say that these stories about Śrīla Prabhupāda, of course, we enjoy them when we hear them, but what do we really learn from them? Some people say that these anecdotes are not important and that we should just read Śrīla Prabhupāda's books, Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, his other books. But I have to say that I really believe that the book Bhagavad is essential, and also understanding the person Bhagavad, Śrīla Prabhupāda, is also essential. Um, so many devotees, I've heard from so many devotees that they came to Krishna consciousness were, or were inspired to read Śrīla Prabhupāda's books after re- hearing, reading uh, Śrīla Prabhupāda Lamrita. So Śrīla Prabhupāda's personal dealings are very important to give us a context of, of how to live the Srimad Bhagavatam, how to live in this world as an exemplary Bhagavatam. a devotee is called a Bhagavat. Excuse me. So I'd like to share some stories that make certain points and then try to take a pause between the points so you don't fall asleep or get too passive. And um, I'd like to ask sort of in between, when we take this pause. what's What did this bring up for you? What's, what's a takeaway for you? So I hope that's all right. Um, maybe we can begin. Are you ready for some deep listening and also interaction? I hope so. So we often hear that Sheila uh, Prabhupada built a house, that he's uh, an astrologer saw his picture once and said, this is a man who can build a house in which the whole world can live. But did you ever think, what's the, what's the nature of that house? What's the, what would the foundation be made of? Or what, what about the walls? What about the pillars? What about the roof? So think about that. What is the construction? What are the construction materials or the foundation of this house? So I was thinking that more than anything, it would be the the punch unga bhakti, the five principles, most essential principles that were instructed in 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 bhakti that Sarusanga, namakirtan bhagavat shravan maturavas shri seva shradayal sevan. So, to with faith and veneration, to take the association of of saintly people, devotees, sadhus, to pour our heart into chanting the holy name, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, make our wherever we live a holy place like Vrindavan Mathura and and worship the deities with faith and veneration. So yeah, I was thinking this is kind of the building blocks maybe you would say about this house, um, that builds this house And, and then Think about it more. Maybe you would have more realizations than I do. But what's the culture in that house? What's the ambiance? What's the atmosphere in that house? Um, To um, joy and inspiration, to love and serve, the six loving exchanges between the members, the family. Think about what are the six loving exchanges. Anyone want to shout out any of the six loving exchanges? I don't know if you can unmute or how this can work, but six loving exchanges that anybody bring up anything? Should I just say them? Oh yeah, please. Um, giving and receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. Somebody else?
0: Isn't it also um, sharing prashadam?
1: Giving and receiving prashadam. A wonderful gift, thank you. That's four, and there are two more. A pair of two more. Uh, Revealing confidentially one's mind and listening confidentially to someone's mind. Yeah, beautiful, thank you so much. So you can't do that with everyone, the revealing your mind, and but a trusted person, a trusted friend. It's important on the path of bhakti to have a trusted friend or a few trusted friends that you could open your heart to when there are difficulties. And there are inevitably difficulties along the path of life, right? So that's important, having a trusted friend. Um, A trusted friend who's also a a friend who's taking shelter of Krishna. You don't want to have a trusted friend who's not on the path of Krishna consciousness. You reveal your mind to them, and maybe they say, well, give up all this... uh, Krishna consciousness. What's the use of it? So a trusted friend on the path of bhakti, right? So I was thinking, what else would be kind of part of the ambiance of that house? Unity and diversity, to honor unity and diversity, to have a mood of honoring the differences between younger and older generations. Sometimes there's tension, different cultures, Western culture, Indian culture, between different colors. Right now in the U.S. and other places in the world, there's so much tension due to um, sectarianism, racism, gender, honor different genders, honor different views. Some people are more conservative in their thinking. Some people are more progressive in their views. Um, We always hear about not offending devotees. So try not to offend any devotees. But also, did you ever think about how it's important to to try not to take offense, right? Life's just playing too short for getting offended all the time. Um Lord Chaitanya says that wear the the third verse of Sikhshastakam, Trinadapi Sunichena, Tarari Vasihshuna Amanina Manadena, Kirtani Sadahari. Wear that Trinadapi verse around your neck. Try to uh, live that, with an attitude of humility, string it on a necklace of the holy name. So we have recently had a story in our temple where someone said to our um wonderful community president, Ananda Vrindavan, said to her that he felt bullied by this other person. So she she had a very wise response to that. She said, uh, you, you may have felt bullied, but that might not have been his intention to bully you. So just kind of unpacking this a little bit more, we can see someone's actions, but we don't necessarily see their intentions. Someone might see my actions, but they can't necessarily understand my intentions. Maybe he or she had a personal problem, a family problem. Maybe he was rushing to an appointment. Yeah, so I want to speak about Srila Prabhupada, but I want to also interject some interesting stories here. There's a story, um, of course, Srila Prabhupada's stories, but there's a story I wanted to share right at this point. There's a story I heard about uh, a man who was, on an early Sunday morning, he was on the subway in New York City and the subway car was all empty. And there was one other man who got on that subway car. And the first man, his kids were just wildly running back and forth on the subway car. And it was early Sunday morning, there was no one else around. And this second man who got on the subway was so disturbed by these children who were running back and forth. And after some time, he said to the other man, sir, can you please control your children? and the And the the other man, who was kind of lost in thought, he said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, we've just come from the hospital where their mother just died. so I think it's an important story because sometimes we're judging someone's behavior and we don't realize the the heavy burden that they may be carrying so um Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur talked about being a Saragrahi Vaishnav. I think it's important to try to be an essence seeker on the path of Krishna consciousness and not to get caught up in the weeds of differences of opinions, interpretations, ways of serving, sectarian views on everything. Because we are persons, we're individuals, and there are differences. We're not all homogeneous. And in the simple Vrindavan mood, that's, there's so much variety. So many different colors of flowers and birds and cowherd boys wear different colors and they have different styles and some of them are funny and some of them are grave and the gopis have different moods of service, different ways of loving and serving Krishna. There's left-wing gopis and there's right-wing gopis. So I wanted to share with you a little bit of this letter Srila Prabhupada wrote to someone in 1972 that I think is very instructive. And this person uh, was uh, actually a very highly qualified uh, business person. He was an executive in a business company, came to Krishna consciousness, was inspired by Srila Prabhupada. But then he started to see faults in the devotees and, and in the temple and in their interactions. So he wrote to Srila Prabhupada, and here's Srila Prabhupada's response. He was, this devotee was saying that, this is impersonalism that there are so many problems. But Srila Prabhupada corrects him. He says, It's not so much that because there may be some faults in our God brothers and God sisters, or because there may be some mismanagement or lack of cooperation, that this is due to being impersonalist. No. It is the nature of the living condition to always have some fault. Even in the spiritual world, there is some fault and envy. Sometimes the gopis will quarrel with over Krishna's favor, and once Krishna was so much attracted to Radharani that by mistake he tried to milk the bull instead of the cow. Funny, right? And sometimes when the gopis used to put on their dress and makeup for seeing Krishna, they would be too much hasty and smear kunkum and mascara in the wrong places, and their ornaments and dresses would appear as if small children had been trying to dress themselves And they were not very expert like that. There are so many examples. But it is not the same as material fault or material envy. It is transcendental because it is all based on Krishna. Sometimes when one gopi would serve Krishna very nicely, the others would say, oh, she has done so nicely. Now let me do better for pleasing Krishna. That is envy, but it is transcendental without malice. So we shall not expect that anywhere there is any utopia. Rather, that is impersonalism. People should not expect that even in Krishna consciousness society, there will be utopia because devotees are persons. Therefore, there will always be some lacking. But the difference is that they're lacking because they have given up everything to serve Krishna. Their lackings have become transcendental because despite everything they may do, their topmost intention is to serve Krishna. And then I'll skip a little bit. And then he says, um, we should always remember that. And like the honeybee, always look for the nectar or the best qualities of a person, not like the utopians who are like the flies who always go to the open source or find the faults in a person because that they cannot find any utopia or because they cannot find anyone without fault. They want to become void, merge, nothing. They think that is utopia, to become void of personality. So if there are sometimes slight disagreements between devotees, it is not due to impersonalism, but it is because they are persons, and such disagreements should not be taken very seriously. And now here's another point, just to close this letter, Prabhupada said, the devotee is always pessimistic about the material world but he is very optimistic about the spiritual life. So in this way, you should consider that anyone engaged in Krishna's service is always the best person. So such a nice point um, made by Srila Prabhupada, this tendency to impersonalism, that everyone should be the same, that we expect utopia. Um, Utopians are like flies who go to the open source. So this is the end of my part one of my reflections on on uh Srila Prabhupada. What what could we work to create in this house Srila Prabhupada built? What ambience, mood, atmosphere? Do you have any thoughts or what what was the takeaway for you here? What did this bring up for you here? What was important for you here? Anyone have any thoughts?
0: Does um, Yashima, do you want to say anything? Anyone else?
1: To accept as you are. Sorry, there was a bit of an echo. To accept as you are. To accept as... Oh, to accept
2: everyone as you are.
1: Um, accept everyone as they are. Accept everyone. Yeah, to accept that, everybody as, as they are. Yeah. In other words, that, that they're trying their best and let me also try my best and try to see the best in them as I try to see in myself that, you know, I tend to think that I'm a work in progress and you shouldn't judge me for being so lopsided and imperfect. And so I should try to see others that way too, right? Try to see the best in them that they're, that they're trying, just like I'm trying, Right. Is that a good point? Anybody else? Anyone else? Uh, uh, okay, I'll tell you another little story. Once I was making some sweet balls with Vishnu Jan Maharaj, and someone came in and said some off-the-wall thing, which I don't even remember what it was. But so wisely, Vishnu Jan Swami said, oh, he must have a cloud passing through his head today. And I always remember that, that he, he wasn't judging that, oh, he's a bad person or he said something horrible. It was just like, oh, he's a good person, but he must probably have some kind of a cloud passing through his head today. So... Yeah. Anybody else have a thought on that before I go on?
0: I think um, Kelly Mataji had a nice thing. She just messaged okay. me.
1: Okay. What was that?
0: Mataji, do you want to share? Hare Krishna.
1: Hare Krishna. Can you hear me? Yes. Hare Krishna. Um, to, to try and have endless forgiveness. To mm. Always forgive. Beautiful. It can be beautiful. It can be hard sometimes, but to to try to strive for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because if, if we were in that kind of a mood, we'd be trying to kind of walk the world or see the world the way Krishna sees it, right? I mean, just imagine Krishna's traveling with us through so many bodies, through so many lives. Why does he do that? As a pig, as a as a microbe, as a tree, for thousands of years, he's there in our hearts. So if he's so forgiving, shouldn't we also? Wouldn't it behoove us to try to also be forgiving and encouraging? Thank you. That's beautiful. Nice. Thank you. Hey, okay. Krishna. Anybody else have any thought? Okay. I'm going to go on then, but please interrupt me if something comes up for you. So I was thinking in my my next part of this, as followers of Srila Prabhupada, what are we supposed to carry out into the world? Um there's a, a story I wanted to share with you. It's actually Srila Prabhupada was speaking on nectar of devotion in the courtyard of the Radha Damodar temple in, in 1972. And he was speaking to a group of devotees and there were also other brajavasis and sadhus there. And Srila Prabhupada was explaining that the this this, uh this faith, has to be increased. He says... When we come to the point of vasudeva kata ruchi, in other words, having taste for hearing about Krishna, he said, that is the beginning of our perfection. And then he became a little stern. He said, at the present moment, there is no ruchi, no taste. There are so many exalted persons. Maybe he was talking about his disciples. Maybe he was talking about other sadhus in Vrindavan. But he said, but they have no taste. They have lost all taste. The preachers could not preach properly to create taste in the people in general. And then he said, it is not the fault of the people. It is the fault of the so-called preacher. Because they could not create taste, they wanted to take the place of Krishna. That was their purpose. Imitation of Krishna. Imitation is bad. That will not do. You have to create taste just like Lord Chaitanya did. Everywhere he went, Lord Chaitanya created taste in the hearts of of people. So I just said, make our vision like Krishna, but um, don't try to become Krishna, right? So Srila Prabhupada was so forgiving of our so many different failures, and he never um, finished giving more and more chances. So I want to tell you a story that I don't usually tell, I really, I don't think I've ever told this story in a public gathering, but I want to share it with you because I think um, some of you may be married or maybe married one day, and I think it's an important lesson. Shila Prabhupada's um, uh, sometimes he he chose tough love as as a remedy to correct his disciples. So Shila Prabhupada was traditional in some ways. In some ways, he was very radical also. But he felt that the ladies would be more protected if they were married. So once he asked me if I would marry someone, and I was so young, like again, like 16 or 17 years old, so immature. And I said, But Srila Prabhupada, or at that time it would, would have been Swamiji. Swamiji, couldn't I just please remain a Brahmacharini for a few years longer? And maybe you're laughing right now, but um, he relented, and, and then after that, he came to Boston, the temple where I was serving. And at that point, he kind of had enough of this. And he said, he said okay, all the brahmacharinis have to get married. And it might sound really heavy to us right now, but this was his love and his care. And he expected that a gentleman or a lady would keep their promise, keep their their vows and keep their promise. So this is a little bit of a difficult story. Please forgive me, but I think I should share it. I'm not sure, but I think I should. So so I was married in Boston, and my new husband was a fairly new devotee. And after the marriage, we went back to the city that he was from. But he started getting kind of sloppy in, in his practice of Krishna consciousness, and I guess I was also getting a bit sloppy and I became sick. And I wrote to Srila Prabhupada that I was sick and I shouldn't have. But again, we were so ignorant. We didn't know. Srila Prabhupada was everything to us. He was our guru, our father, our best friend, our Ayurvedic doctor, our guide in all things. So, yeah. Anyway, so after writing that letter to Srila Prabhupada, we heard that Prabhupada was coming to New York. So we went to New York to see him. We hitchhiked, actually, from Montreal, Canada, to New York City. And Srila Prabhupada saw me. Actually, he gave me Gayatri Mantra then. I I was wearing the same sari that I had just hitchhiked so many hundreds of miles in the same sari. I sat down and received Gayatri Mantra from him. But he saw me looking so thin and sickly. And he said, here's this tough love. He said that my husband and I should be separated. And this is kind of shocking. Devotees can't believe this story when I tell them. But this was Srila Prabhupada's medicine to heal a broken marriage. So then what happened is this husband of mine came into Srila Prabhupada's room to try to explain himself and, and defend himself. And every time he tried to speak up to Srila Prabhupada, there were other people in the room, Srila Prabhupada would turn away from him and speak to someone else. And then he would try again. And again, Srila Prabhupada would turn away from him and speak to someone else about something. And this happened several times. I actually heard this story from, I wasn't in the room, but I heard it from someone who immediately came out of that room and told me immediately after coming out of that room, So finally, this happened several times. And finally, Sheila Prabhupada turned to him with fire in his eyes, turned to this husband. And with fire in his eyes, he said to him, he said, I have given you my daughter and you have not taken care. And then he just tossed his head and turned away. So this was devastating for him. So then... um, I stayed in New York, and then I asked if I could go to Los Angeles to learn deity worship. And Srila Prabhupada was gone for a long time. He was traveling in the UK. He was in London. He was in Europe. And then after about a year, um, Srila Prabhupada came back to Boston, which is where the press was, the the devotees who were working on his books at that time. And Srila Prabhupada saw uh, my husband, and he said, oh, where is your wife? And he was quite, the husband was quite shocked. And and he said, well, shiva Prabhupada, you sent her away. And and he said, should I send for her? And Prabhupada said, yes, husband without the wife is only one half. Wife without the husband is only one half. So that's quite an amazing story. Um, so apparently Prabhupada envisioned that this separation to, to be a temporary separation to as a remedy to solve these marriage problems. So there's a lot more to that story, Um, more kindness from Srila Prabhupada, but I'm going to stop there. Um, So I'll tell you another story. There was a personal servant of Srila Prabhupada. In in those days, if someone was having difficulty, sometimes they would become Prabhupada's personal servant. Um, And so he was having difficulty accepting Srila Prabhupada's statements about us not going to the moon. And he and Yamuna Devi were cooking for Śrīla Prabhupāda, and something exploded in the oven, in the kitchen. And and they they came out, and their faces were all covered with soot from the oven. And Śrīla Prabhupāda was laughing. "Um, Oh, so-and-so has gone to the moon. So this young man, Prabhupāda was so humorous, right? But then this young man decided that he he wanted to leave Krishna consciousness. He couldn't accept Srila Prabhupada. Even though Prabhupada was so merciful, he couldn't accept Srila Prabhupada's views on this so-called moon landing. So Srila Prabhupada actually gave him the money to leave, to get a bus back home, to go back to his family. Srila Prabhupada was so kind, so charitable, not controlling. Like sometimes we think of managers as very controlling people. He was not manipulating someone to stay when he really had um, other desires, right? But but yet, Śrīla Prabhupāda considered that a, a gentleman keeps his promise. Coming forward for initiation means... Yeah, let's talk about initiation for a second. Coming forward for initiation means having considered all options. Now I am committing myself, right? So we shouldn't rush into initiation by social pressure or by my own inner pressure that, oh, I I would really like to get a cool new name. And I wanted to make the point that Srila Prabhupada himself waited 11 years before um, he took diksha, although he he said he had given his heart to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur at their first meeting. So he waited 11 years. And I wanted to, to share some other sweet stories. There's a sannyasi in our society now, I'm not going to tell you his name. He happens to be a very conservative sannyasi. And he used to be a drug addict and quite crazy. And he used to go and visit Srila Prabhupada in his room in New York. So Prabhupada had this little apartment behind the 26 Second Avenue temple, tiny little storefront temple. And this kind of quite crazy, drug addict, used to sometimes go and speak to Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada would listen to him and talk to him. And, and then after a certain point, he told me that Srila Prabhupada would say, all right, and then he would be directed, okay, time for you to go. And um, so this sannyasi this told me this story that once he came into the temple um, during, while Prabhupada was giving a lecture, And he came in at the back of this tiny storefront looking really wild-eyed and crazy. And from the Vyasasana, which was at the front of the temple, Srila Prabhupada, I'll tell you his previous name, he said, Lan, did you take LSD? And he said, No, Swamiji, because he he told me he said he hadn't taken it that day, but he had stayed crazy and intoxicated from taking it so often before. So then... He started walking closer and closer towards Śrīla Prabhupāda, toward the vyasa and I was thinking, imagine, he could have done anything. This crazy person, he could have done any crazy or violent thing. He was walking closer and closer and closer to the front, and the devotees must have been paralyzed. And when I heard this story from him, from this sannyāsī, I was thinking, wow, Prabhupāda must have really been praying for him. Now he's a sannyāsī. But anyway, so then he he sat down right on the floor, right in front of Srila Prabhupada and listened to the rest of his lecture. So such stunning compassion, don't you think? So um, yeah, Srila Prabhupada was not like a cardboard stereotype person. He would never do or say what we expected. In certain ways, he was conservative, as I said. In certain ways, he was radical. He would give... Different instructions to two different people in the same situation. For example, once he said, You've just taken sannyas, now you travel and preach, don't stay anywhere for more than a few days. And to another person, he said, Now you've taken sannyas, now you stay here and manage this temple. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Prabhupada was so encouraging. Um, Let me share one other little story. Um, When I was a young disciple, Srila Prabhupada asked me, do you know how to type? Do you know any? I said, no, Srila Prabhupada. He said, do you know any languages besides English? And I said, well, I took Latin in high school. And he said, oh, you are a Latin scholar? And I said, no, Srila Prabhupada. So my point is here that Srila Prabhupada saw and encouraged and engaged each individual according to their different, unique talents and capabilities. So this is my end of part two. What does this bring up for you? What what does this bring up for you? Any of these stories? What what was a spark or a trigger or some inspiration or takeaway? What will be a takeaway for you here?
0: Um, Anyone wants to share? Anyone please guys don't be don't be shy please.
1: I, I would I would say that um, the compassion with which the society um, functioned at that time um, maybe we have lost a little of that in the times we are
0: functioning in now um, because like you said that Prabhupada would accept anyone. Now, would we have accepted that drunk, drugged person coming into
1: our temples now? Very likely not. So, um, yeah. That's something that we could look at to see how we could get a better balance. Right. Right. Very good. Thank you so much. And maybe... Maybe it wouldn't be appropriate that, that a, a drunken drug person or crazy person comes into the manor and does something in front, crazy in front of radical Kulananda, but maybe there's a way to encourage that person, give them prasad and have a little chat with them, something, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Very nice. Anybody else?
0: Um, yes, Park.
2: Hi, Harry Ball. Um, thank you so much for just sharing that story about that you hadn't shared before on a public platform like this about marriage. I just felt when you said that it was as if Srila Prabhupada was giving me his mercy, really. Um, I started off uh, 10 years ago when I came into the Krishna Consciousness Society completely afresh. Uh, and I married my wife who has been raised in the Krishna Conscious movement. So fundamentally, we we're at different levels spiritually. And over the last 10 years, I sort of lost myself, you know, along life. And only in the last sort of six weeks, by having a bit of a break separating each other, uh, I found Krishna again. Uh, and I'm able to be that devotee that I always wanted to be. Uh, and I really feel the grace of that mercy. And you just sharing that story just made me realize um, it's actually Srila Prabhupada's mercy. So I've got goosebumps saying this, because that's amazing that you've just said that. Um, so thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much. So, so yeah, you know, Krishna has given you his own daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Krishna has given you his own daughter. So now you must take care. It's a, it's a precious gift to be be married to a devotee, a a man who's a devotee, a woman who's a devotee. So thank you so much. Um, And now I'm, I'm feeling uh, validated for sharing that kind of heavy story. (laughs) So I wanted to go on. So my next part is that Srila Prabhupada was very grateful Um, He writes in the Srimad Bhagavatam, one of his purports, that only a fool is not grateful to his benefactors. And once he wrote a letter, I think a lot of you might distribute books. So maybe you've heard this letter before, but he says, this is a letter, a bit of a letter Prabhupada wrote to book distributors in Los Angeles. He said, you are doing so much for fulfilling the desire of my spiritual master. So you are indirectly the representative of my Guru Mahārāj. He has been helping me in this matter by sending me so many young boys and girls. Otherwise, who would help me in this mission while I came here empty-handed and without any friend? I can only pray to Krishna to take care of you. Otherwise, I cannot repay your, your sincere service in my mission. So just like Krishna said to the gopis, I can't repay you. Your love itself will have to be your payment. So Prabhupada said the same thing, so beautiful. And you know, you're all from the UK. And I was thinking that the Archbishop of Canterbury said something very wise. He said that gratitude is a soil. It's a type of dirt that in which pride does not easily grow. So isn't that deeply wise? that if we want to, like we think of how can I give up my false pride? So this is one instruction that's so wise. If we want to uh, overcome those weeds of pride in our heart, try cultivating the deep soil of gratitude. So yeah, you know, all around us, there are things to be grateful for. I mean, we wake up in the morning, do we deserve another breath of oxygen? No, it's Krishna's grace. There's We have the sunshine, the moonshine, we have devotee sangha, so many things, the holy name, so many things to be grateful for. But maybe you're thinking right now, well, can we be grateful for everything? Can we be grateful for the COVID virus? Can we be grateful for hate? Can we be grateful for violence? Well, maybe not, but, but we can be grateful for the lessons we learn from loss, from suffering, from the mistakes we make. And sometimes those are often the the lessons that we learn the best, right? Um, Srila Prabhupada was once saying that in 1942 that he was in Calcutta and the Japanese were dropping bombs over the city. It was during World War II. And many people had left the city and somehow Srila Prabhupada was still there. And he said, as he heard the bombs exploding, he said he was thinking, this is also another form of Krishna but this form is not very lovable. So yeah, to see everything that comes in our life, I can learn a lesson, I can be grateful for, or I can learn a lesson. And so as followers of Srila Prabhupada, we need to try to live in a way, try to see Krishna's hand in ordinary circumstances, in nature, in other people's words. I was thinking also, once a, an ordinary librarian told Srila Prabhupada, you know, you're writing magazines, but people, people throw away magazines, you know? They hang on to books, you should write books. So Srila Prabhupada took that advice from that simple person. And when Srila Prabhupada was in New York, he had a stroke and the doctor told him he should take massage every day and he should walk every day. And Srila Prabhupada took that, that advice. He didn't say, who are you to give me advice? Don't you know who I am? No. He took that advice as coming from Krishna. So I think sometimes in a temple community, we're all moving so fast. There's so many services. We don't stop to appreciate, right? Maybe someone's been cooking the Raj Bhav offering for 15 years, and no one says any words of appreciation or encouragement until one day maybe she burns the sabji or puts sugar instead of salt. And we all jump on her case. You made such an offense. So I wanted to share one story with you. Um, When I was a young devotee in the Boston Temple, one devotee, she was an excellent cook, actually. She was cooking for Srila Prabhupada, but in in the rush of the service, she must have forgotten that she had already salted the subject. So that day, Srila Prabhupada didn't say anything to her about that. But when we received the, the remnants, they were inedible. They could not be eaten. And the next day, she cooked everything so nicely, so carefully. And Srila Prabhupada complimented her the following day. He said, oh, everything is so nice. He said, yesterday, the subji was a little salty. (laughs) So we can learn these beautiful lessons of how to to encourage, how to appreciate, how to um, help people become the best version of themselves. That also, I was thinking that in the Sikh Shastakam prayers, Lord Chaitanya glorifies all of the benedictions of the Holy Name in the first Sikh, Sikh Shastakam prayer. But then in the second prayer, it's almost like a lamentation that the Holy Name is offering me so many benedictions, but still, I'm not grateful. Still, I commit, still commit so many offenses. So, Yeah. So what can we learn from this? Srila the is so grateful, so encouraging. Um, usually we, we think it's our duty to heavily chastise other people. You know, I'm in a leadership position. It's my job to chastise you, to correct you. And sometimes that has to be done. But sometimes there can be an appreciation sandwich where you can appreciate someone and then interject a tiny little correction and then appreciate them as the other side of the bread. So have a nice bread of appreciation, a little bit of jam inside as a correction, and then another side of bread of validation and and appreciation. I was thinking, we we want to chastise, but I can try to chastise myself, try to see my own pride, my own charade, my own masquerade, and try to lovingly encourage and appreciate others. Srila Prabhupada was so expert at opening the heart by appreciation. I'm gonna tell you another little story that at my initiation, Srila Prabhupada gave me the name Rukmini. He said, He said, uh, Krishna, you he said, You are a beautiful girl. Krishna can accept any number of beautiful girls. Um, and then he told the story of Rukmini. And then there was like a beautiful validation, you know, and then he said, so now become more beautiful within also. So it's like he said something to open the heart and then he injected this beautiful lifelong instruction, okay, now become more beautiful within also. So that was nice. Sometimes Srila Prabhupada felt it was appropriate to bring down people's pride in, in strong ways. Uh, uh, he was speaking at Harvard University and one of these very intellectual brilliant students said to him, what is the meaning of the Hare Krishna mantra? And so as we hear, when we hear the 10 offenses to the holy name, this, this young man wanted to make an in- interpretation of the holy name, right? So Prabhupada answered him in such an interesting way. He said, he said these are proper nouns. He said, you are an educated person. Certainly, you know that we don't translate proper nouns. Just like, my name is Swami Bhaktivedanta. In English also, Swami Bhaktivedanta. There is no translation for proper nouns. It was so interesting. And then he told another really funny thing at Harvard. He said, he he began his lecture by saying, there was once a story in India that the himalayan mountains were going to give birth to an offspring so all the villagers were so curious what kind of an offspring would the great mountain give birth to so all the villagers gathered at the foot of the mountain and they were waiting and waiting and waiting and then all of a sudden they saw all of these mice and rodents come running out of the mountain and he said he said so similarly harvard university such a great university, but they are simply giving birth to hippies. (laughs) Funny, right? And sometimes Prabhupada, if you listen to his lectures, sometimes you hear him say, um, in order to bring down the pride of his, his leaders, he would sometimes quote a Bengali saying, big, big monkey, talking about Hanuman, big, big monkey, right? Big, big belly, but if he tries to to jump to Ceylon, like Hanuman, then he will be melancholy. So the the saying is big, big monkey, big, big belly, Ceylon jumping, jumping to Lanka, right? Ceylon jumping, oh, he's melancholy, he can't do it like Hanuman. So sometimes you hear Prabhupada say under his breath, big monkey, big belly. It's really funny, huh? So, uh, yeah, let's see. I wanted to say that I'll tell you another really sweet and funny story. Sheila uh, Prabhupada, This was in Berkeley, California, right after Ratha Yatra. Sheila Prabhupada, He would intuit the the intention of the question behind behind the question. He would he would intuitively understand the the mentality with which the question was being asked. So one of the um, BBT artists pulled a copy of Teachings of Lord chaitanya off the bookshelf. And he said, Srila Prabhupada, when we see paintings of Lord chaitanya we see that he had quite long hair. And so you can understand that maybe this young man was thinking, why do we have to shave our heads? Lord chaitanya had long hair. I want to have long hair. And so Srila Prabhupada said, yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was hippie. It was so funny. He said, yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was hippie. And then he said, therefore, he has come to save you. It's so funny. But because of his Bengali accent, we weren't sure if he was saying save you or shave you. Bengali, all the S's are kind of a little bit more or less SH. So then Prabhupada picked up on that. and He was saying, yes, save you and shave you. Lord Chaitanya has come to save you and shave you. And he was laughing so hard and we were all laughing so much. And it was really funny, actually, because, um, yeah, he had just been to another temple. Malati tells this story that he had probably just been to another temple where they didn't know when they had the hair on the Lord Chaitanya Devi and Lord Nityananda, the hair on the deities was down to their waist. And Srila Prabhupada at that time commented, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not a hippie. He told them to, that the hair should be a shoulder length, right? So then he comes to this other temple and he says, yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was hippie. Therefore, he's come to save you and shave you. Really funny, huh? So, uh, yes. Any thoughts before I go on?
0: Does anybody want to share?
1: You are all saved, already saved. Actually, I'll interject this one. Anybody have any thoughts? Once I was asking Srila Prabhupada so many questions after a talk, and he said, you are already back to Godhead. Let someone else ask. So that was kind of sweet. So no thoughts? Should I go on? Okay, so I'm not sure if you might know this story, but let me just tell you this story. That um, In Montreal, when I was first initiated, Srila Prabhupada was speaking from the prayers of Prahlad Maharaj in the seventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And and in the prayers of Prahlad Maharaj, He's saying, he's crying out to Lurnashingade, my Lord. He's saying, my Lord. And at the end of this talk, one of the devotees asked you, the Prabhupada, how can, if we're in realization, how can he say my anything? How can he say my Lord? And Prabhupada was saying, uh, no, Krishna is yours and you are his. He, he was saying, nothing actually is yours, but Krishna is yours and you are his. And he said, Krishna is yours, you are his, that's all. So that's kind of like a great Mahavakya of Srila Prabhupada. So many stories here. Uh, Let me see. Um, Maybe you all have heard this story. I I told this story in the film, in uh, the film, Hare Krishna, the mantra, the movement, and the Swami that started it all. this was in New York, I was 16 years old, and um, Srila Prabhupada, we were sitting in front of him in his apartment behind the temple, and he was looking into each one of our faces, and he said, I want each one of you to open a temple somewhere. It was like he was throwing out seeds to see who would pick up one of those seeds. And I was so young and immature and impetuous, and I said, even the girls, Swamiji? I was so shocked. And he he was a little twinkle in his eye. He said, yes, there is no difference between the boys and the girls. When you're teaching Krishna consciousness, there is no difference between the boys and the girls. And then he began speaking about Jana Devi and talking about how she was such a great leader in the Krishna consciousness movement after the time of Lord Chaitanya. So he was saying, there is no difference. That was very beautiful, very validating. Um, Another story, let me share this story. Um, In Boston, he kept talking about sincerity. Just try to become sincere. Try to become sincere. And afterwards, I, I asked him, but Srila Prabhupada, how can we become sincere? And he looked at me really intently and said, how do you become a thief? And I was so shocked. And I said, well, you would um, associate with thieves and you would try to um, learn their techniques and you would um, hear from them and you would eat what they eat and and practice and do what they do. And so he was laughing and he said, yes, so you must practice. That was a wonderful, wonderful answer to my question. And once in Australia, (coughs) he was asked the same question and he answered it by saying, "How do you become a drunkard?" And so, same kind of answer: you would practice, find out where you get the best wine, learn how they talk, learn how they do everything, and practice. So, um, yeah. I don't know if you heard the story about Srila Prabhupada that once he was in the Los Angeles temple. Uh, he's he told this story in in room conversations afterwards and it's also printed in a book. But he was standing in front of the deities in Los Angeles, and the deities were telling him, now you go back to India and do some preaching in India. And Srila Prabhupada was, was actually kind of arguing with Krishna. He was saying, but, but India is for my brothers. That's their preaching field. I'm, I'm developing this temple so nicely here. India is for my brothers." And Krishna was saying, no. You go back to India now, I will give you a better temple than this one. So that's such an amazing story that he he later told. Krishna gave him Vrindavan, Mumbai, Mayapur, so many temples in India. Um, so, let me see. Um, in Vrindavan, oh, I wanted to share one story that was very nice. Um, when I first came to India, I, I, th- there was a, a pandal in Delhi, and I was given the service of, of um, speaking with the guests in this little sort of, they would call it a green room, the room where Prabhupada would sit before going up on the stage. There would be, they would let maybe some important guests come in there, and Srila and, uh, Prabhupada would speak with them before going up on the stage. So there was this one man, he looked so saintly to me, And I was thinking, oh, such a wonderful sadhu. And he asked Srila Prabhupada, he was saying to Srila Prabhupada, Swamiji, give us your mercy. Please give us your mercy. Give us your mercy like that. And I was thinking, oh, so pious. And Srila Prabhupada, surprisingly, as I said, Srila Prabhupada would always surprise us and usually never say what we expected him to say. And Srila Prabhupada said, I have already given everything, but still you don't take. He said, it's just like a man who has fallen down a well, and he's crying out, please give me a rope, please give me a rope, please give me a rope, but he does not take it. So I was really shocked. That was an amazing exchange to hear. Um, yeah. I'm to uh, skip some things here looking at time, but in Vrindavan, The temple was supposed to open at John Janmashtami time in 1974, but the leaders had, Prabhupada was very embarrassed actually because the leaders maybe, it always reminds me of the story of the emperor's new clothes where maybe they were afraid to tell Prabhupada the truth that the temple's not ready to open. So Prabhupada had invited so many guests from around the world, so many devotees, so many important people. He had Um, the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh was supposed to come and Srila Prabhupada came and he saw that it was really just a construction site, nothing was finished and he was really furious he became fierce like Lord Nisringadev but uh, you know all to uplift his disciples right so he became very very ill at that time and devotees all over the world were praying for him and and he was like lying on his deathbed practically. Devotees were praying to Nisringadeva everywhere. And then what happened was that chief minister came with this whole entourage and Prabhupada got up from his bed like, like a great yogi. He got up from his bed, he went into the construction site future temple room and sat in a chair and entertained this chief minister of UP, spoke with him for 15 or 20 minutes. And then the man left with his entourage, and then Srila Prabhupada went back and collapsed in his bed. So this is a very, very amazing thing and a very, very difficult time. And at that time, so he started to get a little bit better. And he kept calling for Yamuna to to come and cook for him. But she was feeling like she was in not good enough consciousness to cook for him. So she... He kept calling for her, and she wasn't coming. This is a very poignant story. I don't know if you've heard it before, but um, he kept calling for her. She wasn't coming. Finally, he demanded that she come. So she came, and she was sitting in his room with the other devotees. She was sitting at the back, and Srila Prabhupada started speaking about himself as though he were Lord Balaram, and he was saying, Jamuna, Yamuna does not know how strong Balaram is. Yamuna does not know that Balaram can drag Yamuna if he wants to. He said, "He said, Lord, he said, Balaram can drag the whole city of Hastinapur if he wants, and he can drag Yamuna. And some of the devotees in the room didn't know what he was talking about, but Yamuna knew exactly what he was talking about. And she was just weeping. She was just at the back of the room weeping, you know. So right around this time, Prabhupada started taking his walk again, but he would, they would take him out in a car and then they would sit in a field because he wasn't strong enough to walk. And everyone was sort of avoiding him because he was so fierce. So then at that time we had been, sent, he had sent us to India, a group of artists to India to learn this doll making. We were in Mayapur. And so then in Vrindavan, we made these gopi um, putal out of this clay dolls. We made these gopi dolls. and may be, maybe four feet tall, maybe three and a half, four feet tall. And we, had, we dressed them all in beautiful dresses and jewelry. And we set them up in Prabhupada's room to surprise him for when he came back. And it was the most amazing thing. He came back from his walk and his whole mood completely flipped, completely changed. And he was walking all around the house, just like a little boy, so innocent and childlike. And he was saying, asking everyone, did you see them? Did you see the dolls that they made? Did you see them?" He was asking everyone, everyone gathered in his room, all these, you know, ragtag band of disciples who would made so many mistakes. And he just took his arm and he did like a sweep across all of us. And he said, you know, about, oh, and I wanted to say his sister was there and she was weeping. She was like a big fluffy white marshmallow. She was wearing white and she was quite plump and she was crying. And she kept quoting this verse, Gopika Balaba, Radhika Ramana. I've never found that verse if any of you know it. But anyway, she was weeping and he was exclaiming. And then he took his arm and he he just gestured across all of us, speaking about the gopis. He said, You are like them. You are all like them. (laughs) Most amazing with his Uttamadakari vision. You know, you are all, you are like the gopis. So then, He had wanted us to go to London, and because he had seen the lines in London around Madame Tussaud's wax museum. And so he wanted us to go to London to create a a Krishna conscious museum of of dioramas in London. But uh, the directors of this project, the devotees who were uh, leading this project, wanted to go to Los Angeles. So then when we were leaving, he felt like we'd learned the art, and he said, it was, it was quite interesting, he said, so very detached. And he said, so now you can go to London or wherever you will go, just like that. Like Krishna at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, now I've told you everything, now you can do what you wish to do. So, um, yeah, let me see what there's going to be room for here. Um I want to share some stories. Do you have, did this has any of this brought up anything for any of you? Anything you want to share?
0: Um, there's there are a few questions here, Matthew. If okay. if you would like to answer them. Um, yes. So the first one, it's they're all anonymous, <laughs> but um, <laughs> one of them is that what book are you reading from? Um in terms of y at the start, I think you were quoting something.
1: Um You said well, Srila I,
0: Prabhupada. Oh sorry.
1: So I was reading from at the at the beginning, I was reading from a letter that Srila Prabhupada wrote in nineteen Nineteen seventy-two, February third. That was a letter to a devotee. I was quoting from that. And then um, I told a story of when Prabhupada was speaking from on the Nectar of Devotion lectures in Vrindavan. I was talking about that, what he was saying, how we have to develop taste. We can't just imitate. It's not the fault of the people in general. It's the fault of the preachers, if we're not able to create taste in them. I was quoting from that. Um, I read from a letter to Sheila from Sheila Prabhupada. Um otherwise, just kind of stories i 'm sharing, I hope that's helpful.
0: yeah, it really is. Thank you so much okay. for for sharing okay. so many pastimes okay. um there's another question, which is okay. uh, what brought you to ISKCON?
1: Wow, so I guess i I just when I was growing up i well, you you heard that I was 16 when I became initiated by Srila Prabhupada. and I just in, growing up, um, I just felt like I was an alien dropped from another planet, and I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out what was going on in the world. I couldn't understand what motivated people to do what they were doing, to go to work, and I was thinking, what are they doing? They're going here, they're going there, they're going to work, and they're just going to die, and I I just couldn't couldn't understand. So um, coming to the shelter of Shri, the Prabhupada really gave me the answers I was looking for uh, about uh, the purpose of life. Who am I? What's our purpose? What are we doing here? What What are we meant to do? So that's kind of a, a little bit of an answer.
0: Thank you. Um, there's another question is, okay. um, <laughs> what are you most grateful about? Um, in terms of Iskon and Casey,
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for Sheila um, Prabhupada's example of how to be, how to always be like that honeybee and f- be an essence seeker. I think that's kind of the essence, right? I mean, Sheila Prabhupada gave us so many gifts. He, what can you say? You know. He gave us the holy name. He gave us the association of devotees. He gave us beautiful deities to worship. He gave us the Shri Bhagavatam and all of this, this whole house, right? The whole house. He gave us the whole entire house and, um, and the vision to, to take it forward. So, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to answer that question by telling you my most favorite, favorite story. I just want to make sure that I have time to tell this story. I wanted to tell it at the end, so I think i 'll tell it now, so the most grateful thing I think is that he gave us the meaning of life he gave us he gave us the 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 fe- you know he, he showed us the face of God, he showed us who who to love, right he showed us who there is to love, he told us who we are and how we can love, and all of those things wrapped up in this beautiful um, beautiful package, this beautiful house that we can all live in and share it with others. But I want to share this beautiful story that Srila Prabhupada was in New Vrindavan. and he was there for a few days. And there was a young devotee, brand new devotee, young man, and he was given the service of being the night guard at, at this house. Prabhupada was staying in a little rented house that was a little distance from the temple. And so He was guarding from outside and then, excuse me, it started to rain a little bit, so he went into the attached garage to do his guarding service in there. And then all of a sudden, he felt a presence behind him and he turned around and there was Srila Prabhupada himself right behind him in the garage. And so he offered his obeisances to Srila Prabhupada and then he stood up and said, Srila Prabhupada, is there any service I can do for you? And Srila Prabhupada said, to me, the most amazing thing, Srila Prabhupada said, yes, you can go where I will not go. And this young man was so bewildered because he was thinking, well, Prabhupada goes everywhere. He was just in Japan and, and Caracas, Venezuela and California and Texas and Chicago and New York. And now he's in New Vrindava, and Next, he's going to London and Germany and France and India. So he was so bewildered and he said, But Srila Prabhupada, where is it that you won't go? And Srila Prabhupada said, to the future. And by the way you treat the people there, they will know how much Krishna loves them. So I think this is the most important story. And I feel very grateful for this story. And if you forget everything else that was said in this Sangha, please remember that, that you are people of the future. And you are going off into the future. And by the way you treat the people there, by the way we all treat the people there, they will know how much Krishna loves them. So you're going off into a a future's future future that I won't see. And so please uh, show people of the future how much Krishna loves them by the way you treat them. So I think that's a really beautiful point about um, gratitude. And yeah, paying it forward, right? How can we pay it forward? Whatever we're grateful for, let's pay it forward in the most uh, loving and validating and kind way. So any other questions? I have some other stories I can share, but I want to see if there's any questions, any of this has brought up.
0: Yep. Uh, I think there's one from Kelly Mataji, if you want to unmute and ask. <laughs> Kelly Mataji? Okay, I'm just going to ask.
1: Hare Krishna, sorry. I was having a bit of trouble then with the buttons. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hare Krishna Mataji. Um, well, one of the, the the first question that I asked was... Um,
2: um, did you have any problems with your family when you became a devotee or uh, because um, I'm sort of struggling with some issues like that um, so it'd be very
1: interesting to hear if you had problems and if so how did you overcome? Yeah that's a great question I think um, well I, I, I think at, it was said at the beginning when they when the, the Prabhu introduced me that, the first question Prabhupada asked me was, but where are your parents? Because I was so young. So Prabhupada yeah. was was so kind and so um, encouraging to, to parents also. So I think the best answer for that is, if your parents see that you've become a better person since you've become a Krishna conscious person, then their uh, defenses will go down. They will see that something has happened to you that, something that you're a better person now than you were before that if you're more kind, more appreciative, more grateful, more loving, more caring um, than you were before, then they will realize that Krishna consciousness is a good thing. And then there's always um, secret weapons you can use like uh, prashadam. Like there's a principle called agyata sukrti, which means Helping people develop spiritual consciousness um, unknowingly. So you can bring them some prashadam, like maybe your mother loves apple pie. Or, you know, maybe they might develop an affection for gulab jamans or some sweets from the temple, or maybe there's some prashadam from the temple that you could share with them, or maybe there's some. Story that's charming that that might open their hearts that you could share or maybe there's a very special devotee who's particularly loving and kind That you could bring home to meet them or maybe they might maybe one of them might be open to visiting the temple and seeing the beauty of the deities So, you know, you have to really pray about it pray to Krishna for help on this and and um You know, like I know my mom came and saw the deities once And she loved beautiful, she was a wonderful seamstress, and she loved beautiful uh, things. And when she saw, we had tiny, tiny little deities in Boston, and we used to have gigantic masses of flowers. And my mother didn't even see the deity. She said, oh, so, she just really saw the clothes. And I remember one person saw the deities and said, why are you worshiping flowers? They didn't even see the deities. And my mother only saw the clothes. Oh, such beautiful dresses. So you never know. But um, I want to say one thing. My father, like right before he passed away, my father, just a couple weeks before he died, he had this beautiful appreciation of Srila Prabhupada. Uh, He actually came to my initiation. And right before he died, he said, he was talking about how Prabhupada came. My father was from New York. And he was saying how Prabhupada came to New York, came to the very neighborhood where my father used to hang out with his friends, the Lower East Side, and how Prabhupada picked up all these young people who wouldn't follow any authority and wouldn't listen to anyone, but somehow we accepted his authority. So that was very, very beautiful. So um, try to you know, plant seeds of, of sweetness, seed, seeds of sweet Krishna consciousness. If, you're, if your parents or your family is very religious, you can find some resonance with some other um, tradition, like, for example, I was just reading back to Godhead. Here's a beautiful quote from from a Christian. He says, in prayer, the principal thing is to stand before God with the mind and the heart and to go on standing before him unceasingly day and night until the end of life. So maybe if they're religious people, you could find some quote, some resonance, or how it says in the Bible to chant the name of the Lord with the loud cymbals and drums chant the name of the Lord from the time the sun rises till the time the sun sets, that kind of resonance, you know, or maybe there's someone who they respect who could say something nice about Krishna consciousness, maybe their own minister or a neighbor or, you know, try to find like, try to find the low hanging fruits, right? I hope that's helpful. And, um, that's amazing. Thank you. So many good tips in there. I like, I'm trying the sneak attacks with Prashadam here and there, um, but a wonderful arsenal of, of tips there. Thank you. Yes. And if there's some sweet, sweet ball of a devotee that you could bring home for them to meet or any such thing. Yeah. Good. Good question. Thanks. Anyway. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Any other um, questions or, Thank you, Mataji.
0: Uh, yeah, I think there was um, Shriya, Shri, Shriya, Mataji, who, who put a hand up. If you want to un- unmute and ask the question. No? Okay. Um, there's a, a few more questions, Mataji. Oh. you oh, Okay. okay. No. Um, so, one of the things was, um, what did you love and admire about Srila Prabhupada the most?
1: Oh, that he was, he was just so real and so, so much in love with Krishna. So, he could be so funny and, and then the next moment be so deep and, and crying for Krishna. You'd see tears in his eyes and, and he was just so human so approachable, and and so encouraging, and so meeting everyone at their own level. You know, like, sometimes he would be asked, are you seeing God? That was a question he would often get asked, and he would answer it in all different ways. Um, Once he said, no, because you are standing in the way. There was a very proud person, very proud person was asking that, are you seeing God, with this booming voice. And Prabhupada said, no, because you are standing in the way. And then another time he was asked that question in such a sincere way, and he was so empathic, he was saying, you are also seeing God. Every day you see the sunrise, every day you see the moon, you see the ability in other people, you see God is there in the taste of water. So you are also seeing God, so human, so approachable. And yet, you know, on such a high, high level, the deepest knowledge, the deepest wisdom, the deepest realization, but yet so approachable. So I think this is a, this is really what we're meant to come to realize, you know, um, to be so humble, and yet so so deeply wise, like that, you know, and, and so funny, yeah.
0: Thank you, thank you for sharing with the G. Um, we have ten minutes left, but there's still a few more questions. So, sure?
1: I, Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there's I, one by. I have tons more stories, but I I I would love to hear your questions and what this brought up for you.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, Mataji. Um So one of the questions was by Anki, Anki Prabhu, and it's what were your early memories of your initial services? What was the feelings? What were the feelings when you first went into it?
1: Uh huh. When I first went into it, well, um, I would say when I went to the when I went to the first temple where I was well. First, I started in San Francisco, and it was a wonderful family atmosphere. And I, I met those devotees, the six who went to London, actually. And then I went with them to Montreal. They were stopping in Montreal, where Prabhupada was resident at that time. And they were stopping to get Prabhupada's blessings before they went to London. So I went with them to Montreal, and I was initiated there. And um, so I had this most wonderful family atmosphere coming from them in San Francisco. And when, when we were leaving, um, one devotee said to me, well, you shouldn't go to see Srila Prabhupada. You should actually just stay here and do service. And some other devotee said to me, you, you can be sure that if he had the money, he would be going to see Srila Prabhupada also. And that was funny. And, and then also um, the future Tamal Krishna Goswami, who was there in San Francisco, he very kindly advised me that um, here in San Francisco, after these devotees leave, there's not gonna be such good association for a young woman. So you should either go with them to London or you should, I was interested in art. So he said, you should either go with them to London, but that's gonna be difficult because they don't have any place to stay. So maybe you should go to Boston to um, to paint. There was a, a some ladies learning to paint there. And um, so I did that. and and. And when I was there serving, um, after a little while, it was really, really super difficult. And the relationships were not the same as they had been in that family atmosphere in San Francisco. It was really, really tough. But I remember saying to myself that if I can live through this, I can live through anything. And so, you know, having had a taste, a little initial taste of Srila Prabhupada's mercy and sweetness, his sweetness and the sweetness of those first devotees I met, I was able to um, go on through those those difficult times when the relationships were not so sweet. Um, so those are some early memories. Um, I can share more, but maybe there's more questions. I think we've got about five or six or seven minutes left.
0: Yeah, um, there's a few more questions coming in. Uh, everyone's just privately messaging me sir is collecting uh, one thing one thing is from um, akash Prabhu, and he's asking how did you identify a profile as a true spiritual master versus other other spiritual masters mm-hmm. who exist
1: mm-hmm. yeah well he was just so so real and so authentic you know and i think in a in a climate like today when there are so many um wonderful teachers traveling around and speaking you have you have um, so many options but I think if you're looking for a spiritual master you know pray deeply to Krishna because Krishna sends the spiritual master to someone who's sincere the uh, the spiritual master gives us Krishna an authentic spiritual master gives us Krishna and Krishna sends the the spir- uh, spiritual master but I think um, if you're hearing from many people and you're looking for resonance, looking for who that right person would be, look for someone who's uh, authentically representing Srila Prabhupada. I suggest that anyone who's looking for a spiritual master should should really read Srila Prabhupada Lilamrita and find out about the character of Srila Prabhupada and and see uh, his struggle and and his uh deep desire to give us Krishna consciousness. I mean, at that time he was the only person teaching Krishna bhakti. There were other impersonalist teachers. Um, I'll tell you one story. One one god sister who was in the um, temple with me, she had been hearing from an impersonalist yogi who was directing the students to uh, meditate that I am moving the sun, I am moving the moon. And that was the meditation they were given and she was in seattle washington where it's really rainy and she was sitting on top of a mountain doing this meditation and she was repeating this that the words that this guru had given i am moving the sun i am moving the moon but she was began to think wait a minute i'm not moving anything and it's completely raining today and there is no sun and i'm not seeing the sun i'm not seeing the moon so she was realizing you know that that was not an authentic teacher so sometimes we realize in relationships also sometimes we realize what we really want by seeing what we don't want so sometimes we hear from so many teachers and and there's not a, a ring of authenticity to those people so you have to really pray about it take it slowly don't rush into it and see who the person is that that you can find the most resonance with and who was is qualified to bring you to the lotus feet of, of Prabhupada and, and Krishna you know and right now in the ISKCON society there are so many authentic spiritual masters so see see who the right one is for you and and take your time don't rush into it it's not a it's not a personality cult and it's not a you know it's not a it's not about being part of the club take your sweet time and, and consider very deeply and I hope that helps.
0: Thank you, Mathaji. Um, there's a few more questions. So, there's another one from Janisha saying, what's the one advice you have you would give to someone who's still unsure about joining Krishna consciousness?
1: Yeah. Um, just keep hearing. You know, read these beautiful literatures. Read Srila Prabhupada Lamrita. Sit and hear the Shrimad Bhagavatam. Um, you know, read read. Um, Read everything you can and associate with the deepest spiritual people you can find and see. Um, I mean, I would would have to say that my experience was when I started hearing from Srila Prabhupada, it was like, oh, now I understand what Jesus Christ was saying. Now I understand the whole point of, you know, Buddha leaving his king, leaving his palace. And, you know, all of a sudden everything made sense. So, I think, in this bhakti tradition, there are really authentic answers of, uh, for us how how to live our lives um, how to how to love, how to serve, how to perfect this life, how to go back to the spiritual world at the end of life and I think um really deeply pray because uh you know keep hearing, keep hearing from the most authentic sources you can find and and um and and take your time and, and deeply pray, you know. And when you find That's someone, when you find someone with beautiful qualities, ask them how, 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 how did you get that realization about about this or about that? And and find out and you know, help ask people to kind of open the treasures in their hearts, and and you'll see many and and. Uh, I think these are all good suggestions.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mataji, for asking, uh, for answering. There's, a, there's another question from Harshpur, which is, what's the most valuable thing we have to give to this movement?
1: What's the most valuable thing that each of you has to give or what I have to give?
0: It's just says we have to give to this movement. So. Uh-huh.
1: That's really beautiful. What a beautiful question. These questions have all been so beautiful and so deep. So, um, you know, it's said that the greatest gift that you can give another person is is your attention. So I think we've been given so many gifts. We've been given the holy name. We've been given the Association of Devotees. We've been given the Shrimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita. You have this beautiful Pandavasena Sangha. So I, I think the best thing you can give is give it your full attention. Give it your full heart. Because if you just... You know, stick a little toe into it and think. Ah, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's so many people saying so many things. I think I'll, I'll check out the bar down the street. <coughs> you know, you have to really, really delve deeply into it and and really. Um, Starbucks coffee says pour your heart into it. You have to pour your heart into it to really reap the results. So I think that's that's um, really the best answer. And then. Yeah, that's, and, and also seeing that, that this Krishna consciousness movement is giving me the greatest gifts that I can share with the world. In other words, if I just, you know, live my life as a materialistic person, maybe I could give a donation to something, or maybe I could help an old lady cross the street or whatever. But through the knowledge that's being given, by Srila Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam, by Lord Krishna, by Lord Chaitanya, we're being equipped to help ourselves in the deepest possible ways and also to help others, to help. There have been some questions about family. This is the best way you can help your family. So, I mean, if we had more time, there's so many beautiful stories of parents of devotees being blessed in amazing ways just by their contact with Krishna consciousness. So... um, the best things you can give, the best things you can receive, give and receive your, with your full attention, with your whole heart. That's an answer.
0: Thank you very much, Madhiji. Um I think we don't have more time here, but uh, if you are willing to quickly finish with a quick story, then it will be really nice to hear.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, one other story. What was I going to share? Um, yeah. Well, I will just share this really beautiful story someone was saying, how did how did you know? How do you recognize Srila Prabhupada? You know? I'll just, just tell there's so many stories. Um let's see. Uh once in I was the I was Pujari in New York at one time, and Srila Prabhupada came in from the back of the temple and he came up to the front to see the deities. And I was hiding behind the curtain. I had just finished the RT and Srila Prabhupada was looking at the deities and actually that day the deities were wearing, Krishna was wearing a very simple dress, a yellow dhoti, Vrindavan style, and Radharani was wearing her dress in like a sari and just very Vrindavan style outfit. And when Srila Prabhupada started to bow down to the deities, it was the most amazing thing because tears just shot out of his eyes like syringes. Tears shot um, out of his eyes across the temple room and people on the other side of the temple room were looking around, they thought the pujari had thrown some water from the Arti. And um, Prabhupada bowed down very humbly. And And I jumped off the altar and I was just told my friend, I said, those are Prabhupada's tears. And we were just putting Prabhupada's tears on our head. And then he just so humbly just walked back to the back of the temple room and sat on his Vyasasana and sang Jai Radha Madhava with such beautiful humility. And so yeah, sometimes those spiritual emotions became overwhelming for him. So that was like a, a little glimpse into uh, the spiritual world. So maybe we could end with that. Thank you all so much. My deepest gratitude to all of you. And please remember, um, go to the future. And by the way you treat the people there, they will know how much Krishna loves them. So I think that's the most important message here. Thank you all so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Mataji. So, um, uh, I just want to say this is this is the only um, session that Mataji will be doing, unfortunately, um, and we got a little bit greedy at the end, asked for a quick story, but I just want to say thank you so much Mantegi for sharing your intimate pastimes with Prabhupada and um,
1: Actually, can I say one other thing? If any of you would like to re- uh, receive the blog I send out, I do a blog called urban, urbandavy.com and you can send your right to that email address and give your email and subscribe to it. And I send out blogs all the time. So, urbandavy.com.
0: Yep. So, everyone, please, please do follow urbandavy.com. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thank you, Mataji, so much for, for taking your time out. Um, thank you. And yes, it was just, uh, we're all going to be reflecting over these pastimes for a long time. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, thank thank you. you, Thank you very much, Mataji. I hope you can can join us in future trips. Um, (laughs) Hopefully, it's going to be open next year. So, yeah, (laughs) thank you very much. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Thank
1: you. My great honor. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.